you turn to John chapter 4, we're going to continue a series I started last week on hoarders. John chapter 4, we're going to continue this series on hoarders. And before we actually read the scripture, I want to share with you kind of the direction we're going. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, and you see it there in your notes. It says this, Paul wrote, he said, man, I forget those things that are behind. And, you know, he wrote that on a piece of paper, and he handed it to somebody to read aloud at a church, right, in Philippi. And and so you can't get it maybe just from reading it, the exact inference. But when I read it, this is how I feel like the Holy Spirit is is saying it to me. There's kind of an emphasis on a particular word, and and this is how I read it. I read it like Paul saying this, I forget those things, right? Emphasis on the those. Because we don't forget everything, right? We shouldn't forget everything. We don't forget, you know, our family. We don't forget God's blessings. We don't forget, you know, to pay our bills, you know. We don't tell FPL, hey, I forget those things that are behind that was last month, all right? No, no, no. Well, we, we don't forget any of those things. I haven't forgotten that in 1996, the Gators beat Florida State 52 to 20. I, I'm holding on to that, right? Because it's one of the few times we've beaten them. So I, I hold on to some things, some things you remember, right? But it's those things. It's those things. And, and for all of us, those things may be different, But there are some things we need to let go of. And so I started a series on hoarding because there are some people they struggle with letting go. They struggle with letting go. And God's trying to bring them into a new season, but they refuse to let go of those things. And so we have to learn what to hold on to and what to let go of. Some things that we're holding on to, God is dealing with us about letting go of. And so let's talk about that today. And I, I want to read to you from John, and we're going to start in John chapter 4. But before I get to the verses, let me just give you a little bit of background. Here's Jesus now. And the Bible says that he actually says to the disciples, hey, I have to go to Samaria. And here's why. Because in Samaria, there was a divine appointment waiting for him. He was going to have an encounter with a woman there at a well. And, and it was just him and her. It was, it was her alone with Jesus. And I said last week, I said this, can God get you alone? Because some people collect and they, they hoard and they, they keep inviting people over and they always want people in their life and they're always texting and they're always on social media because they can't handle alone. They can't handle alone. When they're driving, there always has to be music. There always has to be something playing. They can't handle silence because they can't handle being alone. But my question is, can God get you alone? Because something supernatural happens when you are alone with God. And our 21 days of fasting and prayer is about you pushing away from the plate and from the table and from the fast food and from the dinner so that you can spend time with God Alone. Alone time. Alone time is revelation time. Alone time is hearing time. Alone time is when God speaks to us. Here is God having this encounter with this woman, and she is alone with Jesus. 
And they begin talking, and, and they're at a well. So, of course, the conversation starts off talking about natural water. But then watch this. Jesus turns the conversation as every good person witnessing should. He turns the natural into the spiritual. And he turns the conversation from natural water to spiritual water, right? And if you were charting a course on evangelism, if you were writing down a how-to, this is perfect. Jesus is doing everything exactly right. It is textbook what should take place in an evangelism encounter. He takes the natural things and he turns it to spiritual. Now watch this. And, and she's kind of ready now. She's kind of ready. In fact, let's pick it up. I want to read to you in in John chapter 4, verse number 15. And here's what it says. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said, Go call your husband. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Right? And Jesus said to her, You've said, Well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Now, if you're, if you're still on that evangelism course, if you're, you're still kind of looking at it and going, here's Jesus with this one-on-one encounter. Let's study how he did. Let's give him a grade, you know, on how he's doing. And you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, well, it looks like she's ready. It looks like, you know, she's, she's ready. She's kind of tugging at the bait. And, and he should start reeling in the line. He should start tugging it in because you got to get the fish in the boat, right? you got to pull the trigger. you got to say, hey, now is the time. This is the moment. She's basically saying to him, how do I get saved? Can you pray for me? Right? Can you pray for me? And he says to her, go call your husband. Go call your husband. You see, one of the things I think that we struggle with in entering a new season is we want God to do new things. We want him to turn the page and give us a new year and, hey, pour out a, a, a fresh anointing and, and give us some, some new gifting, some new talents, and, hey, God, open up a brand new door, but God won't give you anything new to put into your old self, right? Right? Did you hear me now? He, he won't pour out fresh anointing on old habits and old lifestyles and old ways of thinking. Because Jesus said in Matthew, he said, hey, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. Because if you try to put the new wine into old wineskins, when the wine expands, it's going to bust the old wineskins. You put new wine into new wineskins. Because I don't waste my anointing. I don't waste my giftings. I don't waste my presence. I don't want you to waste this new season of your life. So I can't give you anything new until you do something new. Oh, hallelujah. And so he's ready now and and to give her something new, but he has to say to her, okay, listen, I'm ready to give you this new. I'm ready, but listen, now you go call your husband because you collect. Yeah, she was a collector. She collected. She was hoarding. Uh Uh-huh. What was she hoarding? Husbands. She was collecting husbands. And and may I just say that if you're going to collect something, spouses 
are the worst thing to collect. Come on now. Ladies, you'd be better off collecting cats than you would collecting men. You understand? I said you'd be better off collecting cats than you are collecting men. Now, I don't know what happened to the first husband. Maybe he had a tragic accident, passed away. I don't know what happened to the second one, right? Maybe he was an abuser and he was no good. He was sorry. And maybe the third one was a mama's boy and couldn't let go. And and maybe the fourth one just poof, vanished, disappeared. One minute he's there, one minute he's gone. Huh? But I don't know what happened to husband number five either. But now she's on her sixth man. And she's not even married to this one, right? And so she's collecting these men. And at some point, you have to say, like Grandpa, who walked outside with some Limburger cheese still on the mustache, thinking the whole world stinks. At some point, you've got to look in the mirror. And you've got to say, hey, man, this just may be me. I may have some issues. I may have some issues, Right? So before God gives us this new, we got to get relationships right. Because I can just tell you right now, the key to your emotional health is right relationships. I said the key to emotional health is right relationships. So some of you need to go, okay, I need to get some relationships right. Some of you ladies need to call up that man and say, hey, Johnny, I can't talk to you no more because my pastor said, this is what he said, he said it's better to collect cats than it is to collect men, so we're done. I'm going to the animal rescue, and I'm going to get mittens, and I'm going to get whiskers, and I'm going to get kitty kitty, and I'm going to bring them to my house. I'm going to stop collecting men. I'm going to start collecting cats. Hallelujah. You'll be better off. Your house will stink, but you will be better off emotionally. Because watch this. Watch this. Everything I am is due to relationships. Everything. I get my name from relationships. I get my identity from relationships. I get my purpose from relationships. My greatest joy has come through relationships, and my deepest hurt has come through relationships. Everything that comes into my life comes into my life through a relationship. Come on now. So watch this. If you get relationships wrong, you get life wrong. I'm going to try that over here. I said if you get relationships wrong you get life wrong. You get life wrong. So we better figure out how to do relationships. And Jesus wants to give us new. But he says, I can't bring you into that new season. You're still holding on to some things. You're still collecting. You're still collecting, right? And let me just dispel a myth, because I think this is a myth that's been popularized, especially lately, right, in the last maybe decade. Here's the myth. The myth is that Jesus was a friend to sinners. See, that's the myth. Now, some of you go, Pastor, that's one of my favorite songs. It's unbiblical. 
It's unbiblical. And I'm going to show you why, because some of you are thinking, no, the Bible says Jesus was a friend to sinners. I want you to look exactly at what the Word of God says. We're going to read it for ourselves, and you figure out if that's what it says. Because I want to read to you from Matthew chapter number 11, verses 18 and 19. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. Is that all right? Matthew 11, verses 18 and 19 says this. For John came neither eating nor drinking with others, and they say, they say, they say, he has a demon. He has a demon. The Son of Man, now this is Jesus talking, and he's talking about himself in the first person. He said, the Son of Man came eating and drinking with others, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, including non-observant Jews. Yet wisdom is justified and vindicated by her deeds in the lives of those who what? Respond to me. Now watch this. Watch this. It says, they said. They said. They said that John the Baptist, because he didn't drink and he didn't eat and he didn't hang out with anybody like that, that he had a demon. Were they right about John? No. And so then Jesus said, now they say about me, oh, I, because I go to the parties and I'm over there trying to reach people, right? Because I go over there and I communicate with them and I spend time with them. They said, I'm a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of sinners. Were they right about me? No. No, he wasn't a glutton, he wasn't a drunkard, and he wasn't a friend of sinners. Now watch this. He was friendly to sinners. He was a friendly to sinners. But his best friends were not sinners. His best friends were his disciples. He said of his disciples, you are my friends. You're my friends. It was those 12 guys who followed him everywhere. It was those 12 guys who were praying when the Holy Spirit was poured out. It was those 12 guys, one of them gone, but the other, another one came in. It was those men, the apostles, who took what he did and they spread it around the world. Those were his friends. That's who he kept close to him. He was friendly with the others. And the reason why I know that is, is because it completely contradicts what the Word of God says to say that Jesus was a friend to sinners. Because watch this. Read it right there in your notes. It says here, Proverbs chapter 12, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Choose your friends carefully. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Whew. Parents, let me just tell you right now. There, it, watch this. There is no indicator. I don't care how often your kids are in church. I don't care how often you see them read the Bible. I don't care how often you see them pray. I don't care how often how good you think they are. There is no indicator like their friends. It is the one thing you need to look at to see which direction your kids are going. You watch their friends because bad company corrupts good morals. It does. So what are we supposed to look for? What's, Pastor, what should I be looking for? Because Jesus said this in Matthew. It says this, you know people by their fruit. 
You know them by their fruit. You ought to look at their fruit. Don't look at what they say. Jesus even said that about himself. Listen, the proof is in who responds to me. That's the proof. The proof is in the fruit. Watch, huh? You can't get a grape from a thorn bush. You can't do it. Well, they're a good person. No, no, no. They say they're a Christian. No, no, no. I'm going to watch them. I'm going to watch their life. Because eventually fruit shows up. Huh? And, and, and there's no mistaking what it is. So, so that's what it is. Now, we're going to do this. We're going to talk about relationships because there's three different relationships that we have. And I want you, I want you to get it very clearly. And, and sometime today, I believe God's going to speak to you either right now during the service or, or at some point, maybe even this week, and God's really going to speak to you about beginning to recategorize your life because there's three types of relationships you need to have. And the first one is this, my mission field. It's my mission field. This is the world. This is the world that I'm talking about. My mission field. This is who I'm trying to reach. Huh? You see, when you walked in, there was a little card that says, you're invited. That's for your mission field. It's your mission field. This is who we're trying to reach. Jesus had a mission field. And yeah, he did go into their life. He did spend time with them. I'm not saying you don't spend time with them. I'm not saying you can't invite them over for dinner. I'm not saying you can't ever go over their house. I'm not saying you can't talk to them, right? But here's what it is. You're trying to reach them. You are light to their darkness. Huh? They're not your your best buddies. They're not your lifelong pals. They're not your boys. They're not your posse. Huh? Do you hear what I'm saying? They're your mission field. And if they ever stop being your mission field, you need to check the relationship. Because if you start laughing at the jokes, and if you start watching what they watch and listening to what they listen to, you're being corrupted by them. You're not going to reach them that way right? So they're your mission field. And we have a responsibility to reach our mission field. It's our coworkers. It's our neighbors. Let me ask you, when is the last time you invited your mission field to church? You hang out with them. You talk to them. Huh? You say, no, no, these are my homeboys, man. They'll do anything for me. Oh yeah? Start speaking in tongues in front of them. See how long they hang out. Come on now. Tell them you go to church and lift your hands. Ooh, I wouldn't tell them that. Why? Because they're your mission field. Yeah, they're not your boys. Huh? That's not your lifelong chum, your pal. I've known them. I don't care how long you've known them. It is your mission. God put them in your life for you to reach. Sure, spend time with them. Absolutely. Man, go, go out with them. That's no problem with that. But remember, you're light to their darkness. And you look for that open door. And you look for that opportunity to turn them natural conversation to spiritual things. And you say, hey, man, we're doing something crazy at my church. We're having 21 days of fasting and prayer. Why don't you come out? Huh? You're trying to reach them. You are trying to reach them. The second relationship you need is, is this. You need a team, man. It is my team. My team. Now watch this. Here's what is about your team. Your team is for what you are for. They're for what you are for. 
You want to know who's on your team? Just find out if they're for you. Not you, I should say, but they're for what you're for. Man, if, if you guys got the same cause, if you're going in the same direction, hey, man, listen, we're going we're gonna to win the world for Jesus. We're going we're gonna to go for it, man. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're together in this thing. Hey, listen, that is your team, right? They're for what you are for. You're trying to accomplish the same goal, the same purpose. You're all moving in the same direction. It's your team. And then the third relationship is this, my inner circle, my inner circle. This is what Bishop Tony Miller is coming next Sunday night. This is what Bishop Tony Miller, he calls his non-negotiable friends. I love that. That changed my life hearing that. My non-negotiable friends. These are the people that are in my life. God put them in my life, and I can be me around them. I don't need to wait for them to leave to relax. I can just be me. I can act with them like I act alone. Like I act alone. That's how comfortable I am. And in a lifetime, you'll only have a handful of them. See, here's the thing about your team. Your team, team people come into your team, and then they leave. They, they don't stay forever. They don't always stay forever. That's the thing about teams. Teams begin to flip players every now and then. Right? If you're watching college, man, you only get four years or three years with a team member. If you're in the pros, you'll be lucky to get maybe 10, 12 years out of a player or you could cheer them on and then, hey, that person goes to another team or they retire. They're not there anymore, but you're still kind of rooting for the team. You're going in the same direction, but the player's not there. People, the team has changed. And one of the things that people struggle with is where to put different relationships in their life. And the reason why some people struggle with depression and they struggle with anxiety and they can't seem to find God's purpose for their life and it seems like I'm taking one step forward and two steps back is because you've got people on the mission field on your team. And some of you got people that are on the mission field in your inner circle. And you're wondering, why can't I get ahead? Why can't I move forward? Why can't I follow God's will, God's plan, God's purpose for my life? Because you have the wrong people in the wrong place. Hallelujah. So we got to switch some things around, right? We've got to say, hey, the people that are on the mission field, that, they're supposed to be on the mission field. And then the people on the team, they're going to be on the team. And, and that's, that's say, I need them in my life. I have to have them in my life. I have to have them in my life. And then the people that are in the inner circle, there's only, there's only a few of them in my lifetime. They're the people I could tell anything to. And that's not everybody. That's not everybody, right? And the reason why people struggle and the reason why people have difficulties and the reason why people let go and they have these soul ties is because they just cannot transition relationships. But listen... God didn't call everybody into your life forever. Some people come and some people go. And let me tell you, I can tell you, for me, I struggle with that. I I struggle with it. I have trouble letting go of people. I just do. You've seen me, man. I've prayed for people up here at the altar. I get emotional letting people go. Because I I just struggle with it. I love people. I, I want them in my life forever. I don't want anybody to ever leave my life. 
But if I'm going to go where God wants me to go, if I'm going to move forward, I have to understand the dynamics of relationships, that not everybody is here forever. Some people are only here for a season. And due to social media and phones and texting, we try to hold on to people when God is telling them to walk. And if people can walk away from you, listen to me, let them walk. If people can walk away from you, let them walk. Stop holding on to people. Ooh. That was worth braving the cold, wintry snow to get here this morning. Stop holding on to people. Stop hoarding relationships. Learn how to let people go. Learn how to put people in your life in the right place. Oh, hallelujah. That's what God wants to speak to you. Because if this year is going to be the year where God pours out something new, something fresh, when he says, hey, man, I've got something incredible for you, but you have got to learn how to let some people go. Let some people go. Let them walk. Kiss them and let them walk away. Let them walk away. Amen? And then you say, okay, okay, God, I'm moving forward. Now, you might be thinking, well, pastor... Where do I find these people? Hmm? Where, do I find, where do I find team members? Where do I find people that are supposed to be on my inner circle? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because in a few weeks, we got something starting. And it's called small groups. Lest you think God called you to this church to hear decent preaching, good music, because you can get great preaching on podcast after podcast, on TV station after TV station. You can go to website after website, and you can hear great preaching. And you could download for $9.99 all types of worship. That's fantastic. You can get it all. You can do all of that from the comfort of your house, surrounded by your cats. You can do it all right then and there, Right? But God did not call you to this church for you to just hear that, for you to spectate, for you to watch. God did not call you to sit in a row. God called you into this church to be in a relationship. Whoo, hallelujah. God called you in this church to sit in a circle. To sit in a circle. That's what God wants. Because there's people in this church that are supposed to be on your team. And you'll never get, watch this, you will never get where you're supposed to be. You'll never fulfill God's plan, God's will for your life by yourself. It will not happen. You need people. You need people.